Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong. I can change a diaper with one hand. That's the fact, Jack. And Joe Getty. Joey, baby. I love the tiny people. Armstrong and Getty. But I know this. They're loco. So it's a hustle. Yeah, it's a hustle. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. So here's a story I don't understand at all, and that frightens me. I'll just read the headline, or the first sentence. Walmart is preparing to create its own cryptocurrency and collection of non-fungible tokens. Okay, I'll sit down now and let Joe explain what the hell that means. Oh, no, no, don't you do that to me. Walmart is starting a cryptocurrency? I don't know that I've ever felt this Unprepared, unaware, un something about the way the world of finance works. Walmart, one of the world's biggest companies, is creating its own cryptocurrency and collection of non-fungible tokens. I don't have any idea what that means. I don't know what they're preparing for. I don't know what they think the future is going to look like. I don't know if I should be happy or excited. I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't know. Now, I could see that just being like a publicity stunt, the uh, cryptocurrency thing, in that, you know, Walmart doesn't seem to have a problem with getting people to pay for their goods. Well, I mean, they seem to be doing a fair amount of commerce. Well, here's part of it. The cryptocurrency part of it I don't get, but the non-fungible tokens part of it is this. Walmart sought several new trademarks in December that show it intends to make and sell virtual goods, such as electronics, Decor, toys, sporting goods, and personal care products, all based on the idea that they think lots of people are going to be participating in the metaverse, a virtual world that blends aspects of digital technologies. So there are going to be a lot of people that have a, I was going to say imaginary, but that's unfair. It's it's accurate, but it's unfair, um, that have a virtual world that they live in, and they need to buy uh, furnishings for it just like their real apartment. So Walmart, just like it sells furnishings for real apartment, are going to sell furnishings for your virtual world. Wow, I'll tell you how slow I am on the uptake. I thought you were talking about, like, uh, coffee tables without sharp edges in case you're careening around in your meta glasses no, and you no, crack no, no, your no, head. No, 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 yeah, no, yeah, you Virtual do. furnishing. Yes, they think enough people are going to be participating in the metaverse and that world that they need to be able to sell just like they do in the real world, toys, Rugs, sporting goods, everything. Psst, folks, I'll meet you in the real world. We'll hang out. Are there going to be like six of us in the real world and everybody else is off in the meta world? Even better. <laughs> if your friends are jerks, don't tell them. <laughs> As a guy who got his kids the uh, the Oculus Quest 2 for Christmas, which is a VR thing, Part of what Zuckerberg's trying to get going with the metaverse. Um, I could easily see it happening. I don't know. It's hard to predict these things. I've been wrong about so many of these things, but I could easily see it. Yeah, I don't know. The whole, uh, you'll sit at a meeting around tables and everybody will have an avatar, an icon. You'll be a cartoon character as you get together for the quarterly sales meeting. I just don't see that appealing to anybody. It strikes me as hype and silliness. 
So, but, okay, that's no, interesting. Wrong. It's interesting that you think that. You think it's hype and silliness. I think the gaming is, is incredible. I think it have, could have great educational applications, but I think people check into it, then check out again, except for the truly crazy who will get lost in it like they get lost in drugs or porn or... Or you know, the, or you know, the, the Farmville or whatever, and ruin their lives. Uh, well, a, a couple of there are a number of billion-dollar companies that think you're wrong. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm well aware of it. I don't, I don't know. I don't have any idea. When I first put on that helmet, I thought this is what everybody's going to be doing. Everybody's going to be doing for what? Everything. Everything. Wow. Your Saturday night, you will be sitting in your apartment that might not need anything on the walls or the floor or anything like that, because in in your in your mind's world, uh, everything is decorated with the stuff you just bought from the the Walmart. Um, uh, <laughs> you don't leave your home because you're hanging out at the bar or an apartment or wherever with all your friends, looking at each other and talking to each other just like you would in real life. You just don't have to have to actually go. I don't mind. I mean, not to come off as a snob or anything, but can like IKEA do this or Scandinavian design? Or oh wow, well? aren't you? Yes, uh, Michael, you have an opinion. Yes, opinion? Yeah, no, I think Walmart's aiming this at the younger crowd. They know this is an upcoming thing, but I think older people are going to hate this. There, yeah, I was going to say that about Joe's prediction. There is a possibility that it's just, um, it's not something forty-year-olds or fifty-year-olds ever do. But everybody younger does. Yeah, well, I, it sounds like a dystopian nightmare to me. Why? And, and I'm having trouble coming up with exactly why, although this either makes me a great philosopher or will be completely unsatisfying for people. I just think it's a question of falsity. You are engaging in something that is not real, and that never leads to more happiness and satisfaction. It's virtual, but it's not real. I think it just, and again, I don't know because I haven't lived in that world, but I recognize the smell of it from a hundred other things that are bad for you. Uh, I just think it's empty. It sounds like empty calories in an incredibly sophisticated and seductive way. Because, again, it will have wonderful benefits in terms of entertainment and, again, education. You know, surgeons will see the, the, the pulsing heart in front of them. And just, it'll be great for training in various ways. But there will be a certain percentage of the population that will reject reality for that twisted reality. And I think it'll be to their detriment. I'm not sure you'll ever have to leave your home or your apartment. You'll that do sounds all, horrible. You'll do all your uh, social stuff in your apartment with your headset on. All your work stuff. Am I ever going to touch anybody? Am I ever going to smell their their skin? All right, Am I ever Joe Biden. Feel the warm breeze. You're going to nuzzle their neck, there, Joe Biden. Trying to make it Flat a point here, care. and I find myself being mocked. <laughs> uh, just you know, are you going to actually pet a puppy, or are you going to have a picture of a puppy on your Oculus set and special gloves that make it feel like a puppy's fur is touching your hand? Oh, it's just like reality. And then, and then. The Matrix controls you and puts you in a prison. I guess my question would be, why? Why what? Why Why do this as opposed to reality? Because it's easier? 
Michael's, people's Michael's reality is pretty, pretty yes. limited unless they're crazy rich. Michael's nodding his head because it's easier. Yeah, like I was talking about last week, I've I've seen this. I have been on the uh, the open back patio of a be- beautiful giant mansion, looking out over the ocean as the sun is setting, mm. and it looks pretty freaking fantastic. But I got this headset on, and it's gonna be a thousand times better in three years because yeah. of the way technology works. And I and and you're right. If you have limited means and you live in an apartment with no view of anything and uh, uh, 800 square feet, having the reality of sitting out there would be pretty cool. Even if it's not the full reality. Yeah. And I'm not entirely I, convinced of my own argument, I'll tell you that. I think it'll get close to, it's very, very close to, if not exactly the same thing as no. the full reality. No way. No Why way. Not? Why not? You're missing the humidity of the ocean air. You're missing uh, the smell. Turn on the shower. You're, <laughs> you're a problem solver, I'll give you that. <laughs> You're missing the smells. You're missing just the the atmospheric pressure. It's stuff you're not aware of at all, but your brain is. It will be inauthentic in a hollow facsimile, a, a, a simulacrum, if you like big words, of reality, and it will not be good for the soul. Again, I'm not sure exactly why, but I just my spider sense is tingling. Found it pretty interesting that Walmart's going so big on this. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, you know, people sell a lot of uh, the uh, the fentanyl too. People want fentanyl; it kills them. <laughs> but the Mexican cartels are going big on it, so it must be great. I, guess. I, I love it when you make arguments like that. That's um, a good argument, good um, and solid. I think I won. Let's take a break. Hey, I bought a new couch at Walmart. You want me to help you move it? Oh no, no, no! It's a virtual couch. It just uh, I paid for it and it just showed up in my living room. So, so you can't actually sit on it. No. But right. I look over there and. There it is. Yeah, I have trouble with that. Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Point of personal privilege. Don't get brazen with me. The Armstrong and Getty Show. This is not about politics. This is not about fiscal conservatism. This is not about uh, redistribution of wealth, although it could be, certainly. The universal assumption by... The Democratic Party especially, and a lot of Republicans, it's bipartisan blindness. And absolutely the media, this assumption that pre-K, state-funded, pre-kindergarten for kids is obviously a good thing. Hey, Republicans, stop using the term pre-K. They invented it to make it sound like we're adding another year of schooling to help drive equity. It's not another year of that. It's just it's free Child care paid for by taxpayers. Well, yeah, and it's, trying it's to institutional child care. And trying to get the population used to the idea that the government takes care of your kid now starting at age three or four instead of four or five. Just add another year of a... And, and there's no educational benefit to it. There's been no... There have been no studies showing there's an educational benefit to it for years. Now, in the very recent years, they've come up with studies showing it actually does harm. Yet... We almost got universal pre-K with the Build Back Better plan. We are one Joe Manchin vote away from that becoming the law of the land for the rest of our lives. In spite of all the damage it does to children and the fact that all of us have recognized that for a long time, if you're into this topic, as I have been for quite some time, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised to see Yahoo News, which uh, leans way left, actually published 
quote, alarming study finds children who attended state-funded pre-K are worse off than peers. There's a big new study out of Kentucky, studied thousands of kids, random samples, control group, blah, 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 scientifically valid. Children who attended a state-funded pre-K program more than 10 years ago are doing worse than their peers who received other methods of education, especially at home. Said the uh, professor at Vanderbilt, one of the authors of the study, at least for poor children, it turns out that something is not better than nothing. The kinds of pre-K that our poor children are going into are not good for the long term. And the government-funded PK, uh, pre-K rather, um, would be the very sort of pre-K that all kids, virtually all kids, end up at. Uh, the study, which was published by the American Psychological Association, found that those students were worse off than their peers by the time sixth grade concluded on issues uh, as diverse as academic achievement, discipline, and special education referrals. Uh, data through the sixth grade from state education records showed that the children randomly assigned to the attend pre-K had lower achievement test scores in third through sixth grades than the control children, with the strongest negative effect in sixth grade. Meaning, and by overwhelming numbers, starting in third grade, they're doing worse than the kids who didn't do this, and it gets worse and worse through sixth grade. They described the findings as alarming, and they saw any positive effects on education of the education. It dissipated by the end of kindergarten before they turned almost immediately slightly negative in uh, elementary school. So any advantage vanished by the end of kindergarten and turned into a negative. And if this were like one small study out of, you know, the University of Helsinki or something, take it with a shaker full of salt. But this is the umpteenth study, major study, funded often by the people who think this is a good idea, and it always comes out the same. Unbelievable. They mentioned, Jack, to your credit, The Biden administration has been a proponent of universal pre-K and included such a program in its nearly $2 trillion social spending package last year. Quote from the president, studies show that the earlier our children begin to learn in school, the better. That's why we're going to make two years of high-quality preschool available to every child. That has never been borne out by science ever. That is a lie. Can't blame politicians for lying. That's what they do what they're born to do but uh, you can blame the media for not uh pointing that out more often including fox news i can't tell you how many times i've yelled at the tv over the years where they mention pre-k as if it's a an unknown good all right I, there's just a giant assumption of that in society and it, it, partly it's been pushed by those who are in favor of it partly i just think it sounds people, good exactly it sounds good and so people don't ask the question because so many of today's journalists are not very curious people. Um, what So what is behind pushing this so hard? Some people think I'm nuts. I'm not nuts. I've been aware of this movement since I was a wee lad of 18. Why don't we let uh, Melissa Harris-Perry of MSNBC explain at least partially what's going on here. Clip number 23. We have... 
never invested as much in public education as we should have because we've always had kind of a private notion of children. Your kid is yours and totally your responsibility. We haven't had a very collective notion of these are our children. So part of it is we have to break through our kind of private idea that kids belong to their parents or kids belong to their families and recognize that kids belong to whole communities. Once it's everybody's responsibility and not just the households, then we start making better investments. Now, nothing is 100% one thing or the other. I do think a community has a role in a child's life. I think back to, you know, my schools and my ball coaches and my my uh, neighbors who kept an eye on what the kids were up to. And by golly, if I got a lot out of line, my parents would hear about it. Um, but the idea of a collectivist education to children, um, you've seen it in all sorts of Marxist societies. The kids are taken away and they are educated by the state. Or just the idea that the parents aren't the primary instiller of all values and everything else. Sure, yeah. You you look at a system like China where the state is the uh, is the teacher of children, and the children actually report back to the state whether the parents are uh, out of line or not. And that's what the MSNBC, the left crowd, is into. So the reason they're so incredibly enthused about universal PK is they can. They can get these kids before they recognize an A, a B, or a C and start educating them in in their, you know, left-wing Marxist attitudes. They love that idea. You know, from the earliest days of public education, for all of its merit in a lot of the 20th century, uh, it was pretty well recognized that really the purpose of public ed- education is indoctrination and, and to craft capable workers. Which, which is fine. It's not a bad goal because you have to be able to serve yourself. But the idea that, wait a minute, you think schools are being used to indoctrinate kids into attitudes that I may not like? No, that's, that's like been the idea since the beginning. Armstrong and Getty. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. And now, he. Strong and Getty. I'm disappointed. I was shocked. And it's a good example of if you're not local, you don't, you know, or at least regional, you're probably not quite deep enough into things to understand them. Uh, A great example of that in Virginia. So many folks were fixated on the the Terry McAuliffe, Glenn Youngkin thing about the uh, the critical race theory stuff in schools, and that was a factor. That was absolutely a factor, but it wasn't. It was an exciting thing. So the media, including we, focused on it, probably out of proportion. The number one issue for school parents in Virginia was that uh, uh, Terry McAuliffe and the teachers' unions were keeping their kids at home. They weren't teaching them and that's what swayed the election in new york the election of eric adams former cop reformer conservative democrat in a lot of ways law and order guy great news i think for gotham but whoa i'd miss the fact that somehow new yorkers had elected another one of these george soros far left da's one of these marxist there's no such thing as crime. Chesso Bodine, George, uh, or what's his face? Uh, d- d- I always forget his name. Gascon, George Gascon. These extremists. So how does how does that happen? You know, the the uh, 
AOC won because it was a primary and like 15,000 people turned out <laughs> and a tiny number of people voted. Is that what's going on with these DAs? I hate to admit this out loud, but I don't know that I've ever cast a vote for a DA knowing what I was doing. Here's the strategy they use, and they all use the same strategy. Um, and you can actually look at it kind of backward. Um, for instance, Georgia Guscone, uh, DA of uh, Los Angeles County. And an extremist and a lunatic, and he sounds like a Bond villain. Anyway, sounds like a neutered Bond villain. We cannot <laughs> prosecute our way out of social inequalities, income inequalities, the unhoused, the desperation that we have. We can, can you uh, prosecute your way out of a lack of testicles? <laughs> wow. I'm so, that was out of bounds. I so, Michael, g- g- edit that out when the show airs. I, see, I doubt it's true that he doesn't have testicles, but even if he did, <laughs> I'm not sure your argument holds up. <laughs> you know, that was probably a distraction. What was I saying? Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. It's easier to look at it backward. These guys, like Gascon, Chesa Bodine of the of San Francisco did the same thing that that lunatic in Philadelphia whose name I don't recall. Um, they all they get into office, they get sworn in, and then they make the speech. Like in Gascon's case, he makes this speech saying, "No more uh, enhancements for gun crimes. No more, no more uh, uh, prosecutors showing up at parole hearings. We're not prosecuting breaking and entering and burglary. We're not prosecuting property crimes or the rest of it. They never say this stuff on the campaign trail. They go with nice, touchy-feely, there are too many black men in prison type arguments. We can't incarcerate our way out of poverty, blah, blah, blah. It's good populist left-leaning stuff. Then they get elected and they show their true colors. That's how they get elected in in left leaning cities. So this guy Alvin Bragg, I'm not. New- I don't. I don't want to prosecute my way out of inequality. I, I don't want to. I don't even. That, that doesn't need to factor in. If you hit somebody in the head and take their purse, you got to go to jail. If you break into somebody's home and steal something, you got to go to jail. You steal my, my car, you got to go to jail. Amen. That, that, there's no. You don't need to bring in inequality or inequity or whatever it is you want to talk about. You know, I grant I grant you that there are there's some overlap in those issues, but it's it's almost like your electrician shows up and says, you know, we can't wire our way out of income inequality. <laughs> and you're thinking, you're here to blank and connect the light switch. What are you talking about? We can't wire our way out of poverty. What? What? Why are you even saying these things, George Gascon? <laughs> That's not being asked of you, you nut. Picking but he's my, not a nut. He's very wily. Picking up my cake at the bakery. We cannot frost our way out of homelessness. <laughs> right, what are you right. talking about? <laughs> God dang it. Anyway, so this the guy in Manhattan, Alvin Bragg, he is every bit the extremist as these other people were talking about. Uh, to wit, um, you know what? Yeah, let's just go ahead. Give me clip 50. You can do the crime and now not get the time. Critics say that's the message from the new progressive Manhattan District Attorney, Alvin Bragg. In a stunning reversal of traditional law enforcement procedures, Bragg will stress diversion and alternatives like crisis intervention to jail time over putting some criminals behind bars. He will no longer incarcerate lawbreakers unless it's murder, a crime that involves someone's death or a felony. Bragg says his goal is, quote, safety and fairness. I had a knife to my neck. I've had a semi-automatic weapon to my head. I know these issues intimately. What we're doing now is not working, plain and simple. Uh, And so 
this is our path forward. This is how we reduce violent crime. All right. First of all, that they ease into the report. Some of those methods that Eric Sean there on Fox News uh, reported are are useful in sometimes, uh, but there you you begin to get a taste of this uh, Alvin Bragg because there is crime that's proof that what we're doing isn't working. That's an absurd argument, and idiotic. There's always been crime. There will always be crime. We can't possibly catch all the criminals. So that 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 was a non-argument. But wait, it gets worse. Give us fifty-one, Michael. Bragg will largely no longer enforce some trespass crimes, resisting arrest and sex work, and is reducing charges that could mean no jail time for some armed robbery arrests, stealing from stores or storage areas of homes, and dealing drugs. Police unions and criminal justice advocates are outraged, saying Bragg is giving criminals a free pass. He's paving the way for an even even bigger bloodbath than what we have seen in New York City already, ruining any chances that the city has to come back. What was that stealing from storage areas? What? That's not a crime? Well, and no jail time for armed robbery? Seriously? Resisting arrest isn't a crime anymore. Right, exactly. Wow, how'd you like to be a cop? And you find out that resisting arrest is no longer a crime. So they get to fight you, and you just got to hope you win. So fans of bull-ass words coming out of people's mouths that mean nothing are really going to enjoy the next couple of clips. Eric Sean actually sits down and speaks to the radical leftist in clip 52. Would these policies give criminals a green light? No. I mean, it, it, it just depends upon your definition of criminal. Uh, and for all too long, I'm kind of dealt with this othering of, you know, anyone we put in jail is a, a criminal. Well, you know what? We're putting in jail homeless people who um, uh, literally, in one example, use a, one counter to buy food and toothpaste. Uh, got a sentence of four to eight years. So if, if that's your definition of criminal, uh, I, I suggest we need to really reorder ourselves. Uh, no, my definition of a criminal is people who commit crimes. Here we are talking about burglaries and armed robbery, and all of a sudden he's saying, well, it depends on what you consider a criminal. The homeless people who need toothpaste. What are you talking about? You're othering people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, it, I am. They are, they are the other. The other is people that don't live by society's rules you're a different group of people and until you decide you want to live by society's rules you need to be in jail you're a different group of people i'm fine with calling you the other you're a criminal it's interesting how these people never actually address your arguments they just bring out other stuff so here's when i hear these kind of people whether it's a guy in uh san francisco la pennsylvania this guy whatever do, do they believe this stuff do they actually believe this stuff they either do or they're committed to the, the Cloward Piven strategy of uh, causing such a crisis that the system breaks and then you can rebuild it because there's a fair amount of that. Yeah. Well, I know that there are people that believe, you know, if somebody steals a bike, it's because they really needed a bike. Yeah, those people are known as idiots. <laughs> One more clip. Here's Eric Adams on CNN. Oh, um, well, okay. This is uh, this is Eric Adams, the mayor, uh, new mayor, kind of responding to that sort of talk. An effort that has started already after communicating with President Biden. Our 
federal, state, city, ATF, our prosecutors, we need to all come together similar to what we did after the terrorist attack to stop terrorism. We have to do it to stop the terror of gun violence in our city. We think that we can stop and prevent crimes by investing in those on the ground units that are doing amazing things to prevent criminal behavior. And that is how you start to turn around uh, the crimes that we're seeing in our city. And you're totally opposed to what they used to they call defunding the police, right? I am not one of the defunders. Well, we need to take a break, but very briefly, uh, if at the end of the line the prosecutor won't prosecute, all those efforts will be in vain. I think we're about to see a war between Eric Adams and this Marxist lunatic Alvin Bragg. Good, good. This should be played out in public, and let's have that debate. Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Point of personal privilege. Don't get brazen with me. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It's weird that Bill Maher, who has been like, God, who could you compare him to today? Uh, I don't know. I was going to say AOC, but a non-political figure. But I mean, he was he was the lightning rod lefty 15, 20 years ago. He was the one that right wingers love to hate. And now he's like the voice of reason. And, he, and as he points out in these clips we're about to play, he hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. He's got the same point of view. It's just that everybody beneath him has moved so far leftward or crazyward. I don't even know if you can call it left or right. This is Bill Maher, um, a little bit from his Friday night HBO show. A few weeks ago, Fox News' Dana Perino, a former Bush press secretary, suggested that the Democrats should recruit me to run for president, which is kind of special because it means that in the space of 20 years, Bush press secretaries have gone from telling me I need to watch what I say. They need to to watch what they say, watch what they do. Uh, This is not a time for remarks like that. There never is. They've gone from that to wondering if I should run for president. It'll be interesting to see if Bill Maher is recruited to run for um, the presidency. Now, some people think this means I've changed. I assure you, I have not. I am still the same unmarried, childless, pot-smoking libertine I always was. I have many flaws, but you can't accuse me of maturing. (laughs) Let's get this straight. It's not me who's changed. It's the left who is now made up of a small contingent who've gone mental and a large contingent who refused to call them out for it. But I will. That's why I'm a hero at Fox these days. So, um, yeah, so let's roll into this and then we'll discuss. In this ridiculous new era of mind-numbing partisanship, where if I keep it real about the nonsense in the Democratic Party, it makes me an instant hero to Republicans. The same thing happened in reverse to... Darth Vader's daughter, Liz Cheney, (laughs) who is now a hero to liberals simply because she recognizes Biden did not steal the last election. What a sad commentary on our politics, where simply acknowledging reality is now seen as a profile in courage. (laughs) People sometimes say to me, you know, you didn't you didn't used to make fun of the left as much. Yeah, because they didn't give me so much to work with. The oath of office I took was to comedy, 
wherever you are on the spectrum, I'm going to make fun of you because that's where the gold is. And the fact that they are laughing at it should tell you something. It rings true. So I find it encouraging, and we're about to hear some more explanation of uh, what he thinks wrong with the left. I find it encouraging. I think that the crowd is cheering the way they are. Or are they just I do, going absolutely? Are they yeah. just going along with their hero because they bought tickets, or do they they agree with his point of view? Do you think? I think it's I think it's it's more of the uh, the latter. I think so, and and that's borne out by so many. Uh, you know, articles and editorials and, and resignation letters and whatnot that we've read on the air from folks who said, look, I'm still the same liberal. I still believe in, you know, and they'll go through their list. Everybody around me has swung so far left, this place is unrecognizable. This place being a university, being a newsroom, being a, a TV network, what have you. Now here he gets into some of the specific things he's talking about. Normal people read that San Francisco has basically legalized shoplifting. They think Democrats have gone nuts. They think, you know, that Ted Cruz guy seems like a real stiff. But at least he believes in the concept of shopping with money. It's not... It's not my fault that the party of FDR and JFK is turning into the party of LOL and WTF. (laughs) Members of Congress tweeting things like cancel rent, cancel mortgage, and no more policing or incarceration, declaring that capitalism is slavery. Canceling Lincoln and Dr. Seuss, teaching children their oppressors and math is racist, making Mr. Potato Head gender neutral, and now an emoji for pregnant men. Real. I'm not making it up. Wow. California just passed a law requiring large retailers to have a non-gendered toy section. A non-gendered toy section? Isn't Ken enough? You have to inject yourselves into everything from where you can throw a frisbee to who can braid hair? This is why so many people, by the way, were triggered by COVID policies. They were already sick of rules. Regulation should be a good issue for Democrats. It's certainly one they're associated with. And I think the average voter would agree that banks and chemical plants and drug companies need watching. Telling a company, you can't dump the waste from your hog farm straight into the water supply. We're mostly all for that. (laughs) But Democrats have become a parody of themselves, just making rules to make rules because it makes you feel like you're a better person. Making sure that everything bad never happens again which you can never fully do. It just makes everyone else's life a drag. So I wonder if there are um, strategists in the Democratic Party who are paying attention to him, because they should be. They should be paying attention to Bill Maher and thinking they should acknowledge that that's where most Democrats are. Not the loud people who are talking about ending rent, for crying out loud. Or, you know, the prosecutors and the two biggest cities on the West Coast don't believe in crime, so. Right, right. Oh, that reminds me. Yeah, we've got a George Gascon clip we've got to play for you coming up. But I think, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, because it, it's clear that the vast majority of normal people, be they in general lefties or, or righties, agree with virtually everything Bill Marge has said. 
do they have the same energy as the wackadoodle 10% on the outside, on the, you know, the Twitter mob, as, as they're called? Obviously, somebody fears that in the Democratic Party, because, man, do they dance to their tune. Right. You know, and, and Bill Maher talking about the excess regulations and making rules just to make rules. I, I think it's more than that. It's, it's the self-righteousness that I am so clearly right and good and wise. Not only can I tell other people how to live in virtually every aspect of their lives, but I must and I'm going to. And it's that sort of hubris that's different. I mean, because I'll get on the air and I will, I will rant and howl and, and wax wise and, and, and crack jokes or whatever, whatever I need to do to convince you that my point of view is better than theirs. Okay. But the idea that I should be able to compel you to live that way or think that way or your business has to run that way. I, I personally find that repugnant. And yeah. that's the difference between a lot of, a lot of, not all conservatives, a lot of conservatives and, and the super energized, woke, wackadoodle left. Yeah, the uh, rules for braiding hair and, and Mars anti mask mandates, th- that might be people just in love with rules. But the stuff about defunding the police and there's no such thing as crime, that's just a philosophy. Yeah. That's a wackadoo out there philosophy. Yeah, the term extremist is thrown around way too much. That's an extremist oh, political view. Hell yeah. The fact that we have people in Congress that believe that, or people that are the district attorneys in a couple of the biggest cities in the country, it's absolutely amazing. 